So we have been, as a church, talking about the presence of God pretty much since the beginning of the year. And um, the longer I go in this, the more I'm like, okay, God, are, are, are you done? Like, do we move on to something else? And God is like, nope, not yet. And so we keep on going until he's done. And, uh, and we're going to keep on going. And, and, and really interestingly, I um, uh, last week, I believe it was last week, had shared, um, yeah, it was last week, about uh, Pastor Sam uh, Ramirez, who, who came and spoke while my wife and I were in Mexico, and, um, and that he had, in his message, had given, uh, like, one of his points of the message, and this is how God does, it works, because when you, when you get something from God, so often he confirms it in multiple ways with multiple people, and so um, I, I, I talked about how in his message, he had talked about us needing to rise, to get up. Everybody say the word rise. And, and how the week before, two weeks ago, no, no, three weeks ago, forgive me, um, three weeks ago, how the Lord had given me this word for our church, this exact word rise. And I was just amazed after I'd gotten back into town and I was watching his message on, on YouTube afterwards and, and was like, oh my gosh, God, how you are speaking in, in these moments. But, but the, there was one part of that story that I did not share with all of you because when God speaks to me as well as when he speaks to you, sometimes it's just for me. And it's not for anybody else. Other times, it's, it's for the family, or other times, it's for the church. And, and, and while I was suffering in Cancun, sitting on the balcony watching the ocean waves, it was the most horrible moment of my life. And uh, while, while I was there, and uh, sitting there, I was, um, Tuesday, a week and a half ago, I was reading the Word on, on the balcony, and then I closed the Word, and, and I spent some time in prayer. And uh, while I was in prayer, God spoke to me another word. And, and I didn't share it last week because I actually thought it was just for me. And so I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I didn't say anything about it. And, and the crazy part about the whole thing, though, was when I listened to Pastor Sam's message. By the way, that's two weeks ago if you want to listen to it. Um, when I listened to it, his third kind of point that he made was right in line with the word that God had given to me. And it was a simple word. The word is this, go. Everybody say that with me, go. And, and go not in the sense of leave somewhere, but go in the sense of advance. Can everybody say that word, advance? That the Lord was telling me it is time to go. It is time to advance. And so I, I, I was... I was just, I've been literally pondering this and thinking about this for a couple of weeks and, and what is God saying through it. And as I was getting ready for the message today, I realized, God, you are saying something to all of us. And so I want to jump into this. We're going to be in two books today in, in the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Exodus as well as Joshua. And I want to go through a couple stories and, um, and share just a few thoughts with you about what God is up to. This message, I hope, is a blessing to you and an encouragement to you personally. But this message, I know also, is for where God is doing something in our church. So somebody say with me, get ready to go.
God is wanting us to advance and to move forward in all that he has for us. So let's go to the book of Exodus. The, the, the uh, title of my message is Starting Point. And um, we're going to start off in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Moses had been in the desert, if uh, some of you might remember. Moses had uh, killed an Egyptian to protect uh, a Jewish person while in Egypt. He had grown up in Egypt. And when it was found out about, uh, the Egyptians were coming after him to, to kill Moses. And so he ran for his life goes to the desert, and ends up living in the desert for 40 years. And he gets married and has kids. And he's, you know, a little older now, 70, you know, 80 years old, so somewhere around there. And God decides, I'm not done with you yet. You, you've got another season out ahead of you. And, and I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times when, when you kind of feel like I'm set and everything is good, everything's where it needs to be, I think this is what I'm going to be doing, and then God's like, yeah, no, you're going to be doing something else. And he probably thought that the desert was going to be the rest of his life. He had his family, everything was good, he was a shepherd, and so that's going to all be good. And God's like, yeah, I got another plan. Verse 1, one day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now this is important because this is where he's going to show up to decade or time a few years later after or no, not not a few years, just a few months probably later after he is able to help the people of Israel escape from Egypt. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the, of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. And then in verse 5, I'm going to ask everybody to read this verse together with me. Let's read it out loud. He says, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. After God tells him to do this, God speaks and says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Because up until that point, he saw a burning bush. He didn't understand that it was God's presence literally right in front of him. But then all of a sudden, God speaks and he knows God is in front of him. And he's afraid that he's going to be killed by the actual presence of God. So he covers his face. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have... Come down. Somebody say, come down. 
He's come down to do what? To rescue them. This is a picture of who Jesus is as Jesus also came down to this earth to rescue you and I from the Egypt of our lives, right? And to pull us out of our own spiritual slavery and out of our own death and to bring us into his life. Is anybody grateful for that which he has done? And he says, I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt. Somebody say, out of Egypt. And then into their own fertile and spacious land. I want to stop just for a moment because the Lord is telling us to advance. He's telling us to go. See, we've been in as a church for months now enjoying God's presence every Sunday. And how many uh, of you that have, you know, here week after week, you have just enjoyed the presence of God in this place. And, and it's been great. But, but you've heard me preaching week after week that his presence is not just about an experience on a Sunday morning. It is something we live in each and every day of our lives. And so the Lord now is saying, hey, listen, you've been kind of at the watering hole, you've been kind of enjoying me together, but now I'm telling you, you're going to advance, but you're going to advance with my presence. You're not just advancing on your own. You will remain in my presence constantly while you are advancing as well. And, and so what's interesting here is there's a lot of people that are living their lives today in Egypt, you're like, yeah, it's a country. People live, yeah, no, not that. People are living their lives spiritually in Egypt. They are spiritually in slavery to their own brokenness, their own sin, to death. And God wants to rescue those people. Now, a lot of you don't live in Egypt. You know what it is to know Jesus, and you have been rescued from that in your life. But if you're here today living in the Egypt of your life, God, in his grace and mercy, wants to bring you into his abundant life. Because he is a good God. But what's interesting is that God's goal is to not just remove us from Egypt, but to also bring us into the promised land. But see, the people of Israel lived for 40 years in the desert because they disobeyed. And what was their disobedience? It was really simple. God had told them, go into the promised land, the land that is fertile and spacious and, and really good. And they were like, there's giants there. No, we don't want to go. We're all going to die. They didn't trust God. And so their lack of trust led to disobedience, and they ended up being stuck in the desert for 40 years. And here's what I know to be true. There are some of you that love Jesus. You absolutely do love Jesus, but you are stuck in the desert season of your life, but the Lord is getting ready to move you into the promised land that he has for you. Amen. We can give that applause to the Lord right now. Come on, somebody. But, and, and I'm going to get into this more, but to get into the promised land, there's a step that you are going to have to take. And it's an important one, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. And it says this, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. And then he says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now, what word is right there? Go. 
And I was reading this, and I'm like, Lord, you are speaking now. Go look at somebody close to you and tell them it is time to go. Okay, I, at least wait until the end of the message, okay? And then, and then you can go. It says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. All right, so Moses has this encounter with God at a burning bush, and God's presence is there, and God tells him to take off your what? Your sandals, take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. All right, so let's skip forward real quick to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 5. And in Joshua chapter 5, we get an interesting story. The people of Israel in this chapter, the men have just been circumcised, and they are getting ready to enter into the promised land and to fight all the enemies that are there so they can take over the territory. And so Joshua is, is ready at this point, and in chapter 5, verse 13, it says, When Joshua was near the town of what? What, what, what town is this? Jericho. Now, now, I want to stop real quick. Moses was in the desert at a burning bush. Joshua is in the promised land at the town of Jericho. This is going to be important a little bit. It says, He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. And I love Joshua because it says, Joshua went up to him and demanded. You hear that word? Somebody say demanded. This tells you that Joshua was a man who was not afraid of much, right? He sees, it's like nighttime. He sees this man over there and he's basically like, who are you? Doesn't matter that this dude's got a sword. Doesn't matter Joshua is ready to do what needs to be done. And he demands, are you friend or foe? And in verse 14, the answer is, neither one. He replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. There's an, an important truth here to this. That the question is not whether God is on my side or not. The question is whether I am on his or not. The commander is like, I am not here for your purposes, Joshua. I am here for mine. So I am not in favor or against you. I am the commander of God's armies, and I am here to do what God wants. And so, Joshua, the question for you is, what are you going to do, right? And so he says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. At this, at those words, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. Read it with me. What does he say? I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? And let me stop here real quick. I, I, the Bible does not tell us this, but um, I, if you actually read the rest of the story of Moses' encounter at the bush, which I'm not doing today, you realize that after the Lord take, tells him to take off his sandals, it doesn't actually say that Moses took off his sandals. Now, now we believe that he did actually do it. Otherwise, we would have known that he didn't. But what's interesting about the story is that Moses begins complaining. That's what Moses starts doing. He's like, yeah, yeah God, like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm not equipped. I, I can't do this. I, I, I can't speak well. And, and he starts putting all these obstacles to him doing what the Lord had told him to do. 
And finally, he's just like, God, just pick somebody else. And God's like, yeah, no, you know. I mean, he brought him Aaron to help out, but, but Moses was still the guy. And, and if you read this story, you see Joshua's reaction, right? He falls with his face to the ground. He says, I'm at your command. What do you want your servant to do? And in verse 15, it says, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is what? Holy. And then it says, and Joshua did as he was told. I, I, I'm sure that Moses had a conversation with Joshua at one point. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us this. I, I'm just kind of guessing it. Because Moses, of course, was investing in Joshua, who's going to be the next leader of the people of Israel. And I imagine one time Moses went up to Joshua and said something probably like this. He went, hey, Joshua. So um, I had this encounter with God at a burning bush. And God told me to take out my sandals. I did it. And he told me I was going to lead the people of Israel. I was like, no, God, not me. You need to pick somebody else. And I had this big old debate with God. And let me just tell you something, Joshua. It obviously didn't work. I lost. So if you ever have an encounter with God, Joshua, just do whatever he says. You're losing anyways, right? You might as well just obey. And you see this in Joshua, right? He doesn't fight. He doesn't debate. He goes, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And what does the commander say? Joshua, take off your sandals. And what does Joshua do? He takes them off. And he removes them. In that moment, the first two services, my feet weren't really smelly. I hope they're doing okay right now. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how this goes. And if you smell anything, just consider it the fragrance of worship in this place. Okay, that is what is going on. But he takes off his sandals, removes them. And what I want to do today, I never preach barefoot, but today I am. What I want to do today is tell you a few things about the importance of the removing of the sandals. And then I want to end with something that the Lord showed me that he has for us and for you as well, individually, and how you can enter in and advance in what the Lord has for you. So is everybody ready? See, he removes his sandals at its most basic level. All this is, is simple obedience. Somebody say that word, obedience. That is the reality. I, uh, I, I have learned that if you are going to live in the presence of God, God is going to tell you some things to do. And when you live in his presence and he begins to tell you what to do, the immediate reaction that we should have is to do what? Obey. And I have learned this to be true. It was actually really interesting because last year, when right about the time that we were studying in the book of Isaiah, uh, this was uh, October and November, right, right around there, um, we, we came upon our election season here in L.A., right? And, and we were um, voting for different types of people and different things. And, and, and I felt distinctly from the Lord in that moment that I was supposed to bring a message on the Sunday 
before election to talk about the way that we vote according to Scripture. And, and I, I, I got to tell you something, that that is not a message that I have ever given in my life, ever. I've never done it. November was the first time I ever did a message like that. So when God is just leading me in this way, I'm going, oh, God, oh, no, no, I, I, oh, Jesus, I, I don't. Okay, okay, fine. I'll give it. Now, what a lot of you um, might not know, just because it didn't happen, I don't think, well, I don't remember, because we have four services. I don't even remember. It all blends together into one on a Sunday. But, but here I am showing up to church to give this message where I'm saying, listen, let us be a people who are led by the word of God in the way that we exercise our voting. Oh, does anybody agree with that, by the way? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and that we would be led by this and how we vote. And, and I'm talk, preparing to talk about that. And then I get a phone call that the sheriff of L.A. County wants to come to our church. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, um, you know, maybe there's a better message to give when you've got a really high official from the county that is showing up in our church. And it wasn't any election stuff, even though there was an election. And um, it, it was really just to kind of give a report on how things are going. And we prayed for him and we prayed for our county. And, and that's what we did. But, but I'm going, maybe on that Sunday I could just preach about the love of Jesus. Now, that's really easy. Or the grace of God. That, that's a really nice topic to talk about that doesn't really offend people. Or, or, or maybe, maybe I'll preach on my message, but, but I'll leave a couple of items out because, you know, I don't really want anybody in some big disagreement with what I'm saying. And, and, I, you know, and, and that whole type of thing. But here's what I have learned. That when God tells you to do something, you obey. And you trust the Lord that if you are going to obey, he will make every all the pieces come together as they need to. I don't need to live my life according to what opportunities I think other people could give me. I want to live my life in obedience to Jesus Christ and him alone. And so when you live in the presence of God, he is going to tell you to do stuff. And when he tells you to do stuff, you better what? And that's the most basic understanding of what taking off the sandals means. God says, take them off, and you take them off. You just obey. Immediately do that which he says. But it goes even a little bit deeper than this, because the fact that he has taken his sandals off literally means that in the case of Moses and in the case of Joshua, they are getting ready to remain. Somebody say the word remain. They're getting ready to hang out in God's presence. Because if their shoes are off, it means that they are not going anywhere. I will spend the amount of time that you want me to be here, God. I'm not going to shortcut it. I'm not going to shortchange it. If you want me with you for five minutes, I'll be there five minutes. If you want me with you for half an hour, I'll be there for half an hour. However long you want me to be with you, I will take these sandals off. I am not going anywhere. I don't have a plan for the next thing. You are my thing right now, God. And we learn to remain. Somebody say the word again, remain. And, you know, I've been learning this a lot because the more and more time that I spend with God in prayer, there's a lot of times where I'll 
kind of come to the end. And, and I'll think, okay, God, I'm done. We're, we're, we're done, right? Everything's good. I'm done. I'm going to now move on to my day and do the things I need to do. And I just have this sense from God. It's like, uh-uh, you're not done. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right. And I stay and I remain. And I got to tell you that a lot of times when God speaks to me, it happens in those moments after I come back and remain rather than walking away. And let me just tell you that there's, man, the L.A. life is a busy life. Is anybody with me on that? It's like pe people come up to me, you know, they're like, how are you? How was your week? And what's the answer you pretty much always get? Yeah, busy. And then I ask them, like, how was it? Yeah, busy too. I don't know of a single person that's got a chill life in the whole city of Los Angeles. We have so many things going on. Everything is all over the place. So much to do. And, 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 and the reality is, like, it's never going to end. It will never end. Is anybody with me on that? Oh, okay, it'll end when we go home with Jesus. Amen. Or it will end if you, like, retire to Cancun, where my wife and I were for a couple days. Right? Okay, retire there. God bless you. Enjoy life at the beach. But, but the reality is, as long as you're here, it's, it's not ending. And, and I know this to be true because there's a whole lot of people that have been like, I'm moving away. I can't handle it anymore. Okay, God bless you. Like, go ahead. But I know God has called me here, so I'm not going anywhere. So I know my life's going to be busy for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. That's just reality. And okay. But I know this. I know this more today than I did yesterday. And I'll know it more tomorrow than I do today. That the more time I spend in the presence of Jesus, all of that busyness, all of that stuff, I don't know, but it all gets resolved supernaturally. And it doesn't become something of me operating in my own power and in my own strength, attempting to manage all of it. How do I get my marriage right? How do I get my kids right? How do I get my job right? How do I get the things that I'm in charge of right? How do I put all the pieces in their place that God is saying, stop! Let me put them in the right places. You just choose to be with me. And then all of a sudden, the 10 hours of work I can do with the power of God becomes an hour of work. Because I chose to remain in his presence. The Lord has given me words to say to people that hours of meetings could not resolve. But in 10 seconds, it resolved it with a word from the Lord. Because when you are spending time in the presence of God, He will reveal things to you that no man can reveal to you. That no book can teach you. But it is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And when you remain in His presence, He will give you the tools that you need, the power that you need, the ability that you need, that you you cannot get from anywhere else. So would you take off your sandals? Come on, we can give that applause to God. Would you take them off? And would you remain? There's one other thing that I want to share with you about this idea of taking the sandals off. There's a book in Scripture called Ruth. I've preached on it before. And in that book, Ruth's husband had died. She was not Jewish, but her husband was. And in Jewish culture and society, the way God had determined it was to make sure that no 
line, no, no lineage would ever lose the land that they had. And so what would happen is if somebody lost their husband, if a woman lost their husband who was Jewish, then what would happen is one of the brothers or family members would then take ownership, would redeem, everybody say the word redeem, would redeem the land and the wife, and then the first child of that wife would actually be the, the family member's child, the brother, whoever that passed away, so that way their lineage could continue. And this was very important to God to make sure that everybody was taken care of and everybody had what they needed. So what happens is uh, Ruth comes back. She's not Jewish, but she comes back with Naomi, her mother-in-law, and, and comes and chooses to, to live there with in Israel, and, and she's there. And so what happens is there's a family member that is what's called the Redeemer or the Kinsman Redeemer. And this family member is the one who is responsible to purchase the property and in the purchase of the property also marries Ruth so that way that family member can continue Ruth's dead husband's lineage. And so... What happens is there's a gentleman named Boaz. And as the story goes, Boaz ends up having the heart to redeem the property and Ruth. But there was somebody else, another family member, who had the first right of refusal, was closer in, in relationship, in blood relationship, that w had the opportunity to redeem the property in Ruth. And so Boaz meets with that family member in, in front of the town, and, and the townspeople show up, and Boaz has a conversation with him and says, hey, um, do you want to redeem the land and Ruth, or if you don't, then I'm going to do it because I'm the next one in line. Now, now to understand redemption, I'm not giving a whole preaching on it, but put simply to redeem something is to obtain that which you have paid for. So since Jesus paid for you and I on the cross, we now belong to him because he has what? Redeemed us. We are his. We belong to Jesus. And so Boaz talks to this family member, and the family member decides, I do not, watch this, want to redeem. Or in other words, I do not want to exercise my rights of redemption. Somebody say my rights. And so in that moment when the family member chooses to not exercise his right to redemption, he takes off his sandal and sign symbolically that he would not take ownership of that which was his right to do. And so my friends, for Moses and Joshua, for you and me, the removal of the sandals is the removal of my rights before God. It is to say, God, I no longer come to you based off of what I want. I don't come to you based off of what I want to accomplish, based off of my desires and my ways. God, I am taking off my sandals and I'm saying, Lord, have your way with me. Do what you want to do with me. I will not be a person of your presence. Come on, somebody. I will not be a person of your presence that is here for what I want. I am here for what you want. I will be like a Joshua 
Joshua, who lies with his face plastered on the ground and says, I am your servant. Tell me what to do, and that is what I will do. Come on, somebody. And what I want to invite you to see today is that both Moses and Joshua were in the beginning point of going. They were right at the point of advance. They were right about the point where they were going to enter in to the purposes of God for their life, why he placed them on this planet. And it is at that point in time when both of them separately in different time periods have an encounter with the living God. I want you to see this. Because Moses had his encounter in the desert. Joseph had his encounter where? In the promised land. Moses had his encounter at a burning bush. Joshua had his encounter near the city of Jericho. And if you think about the actual physical encounter they had, track with me somebody, Moses had his encounter in the desert because he was going to lead the people of Israel to the desert. Joshua has his encounter in the promised land because he is going to lead the people of Israel into their victory in the promised land. Moses has his encounter at a burning bush because it was the fire of God that was going to lead the people of Israel in the desert from place to place. And uh, Joshua has his encounter with the commander of the Lord's army who's got a sword in his hands because Joshua is going to pick up his sword to fight against the enemies of the living God as they come into the land that God has for them. The very place of the encounter, the method of the encounter is a prophetic vision into the advance that they are going to walk into from that moment forward. And if you read the stories, Moses has his encounter. He goes to Jethro, his father-in-law, picks up his family, is like, I'm out of here. I got to go. And if you read beginning in Joshua chapter 6, what immediately comes after is Joshua grabbing the people of Israel and taking ownership of Jericho, destroying that city. And God has the exact same thing for you, and he's got it available for us as a church as well. We are on the starting point. What God has done up until now, my friends, is just the beginning. I want you to hear this. It is just the beginning. We have had tons of people meeting Jesus. We have had so many people that have been restored in their lives, people that have openly confessed and talked about, not in front of the church here, but to others about their own brokenness, their own sin, massive stuff that people have kept hidden for years, and God has been bringing it out. And, and my friends, I don't say that 
Because I, I in, in some type of way, because you know me. Those that have been around know me. Our church is not the type of church where we walk up to people and point out, you're sinning, you horrible person, what is going on? We're not that type of church. We are calling people into the promised land. We are calling people into the blessing of God for their lives. Is anybody with me? But with that, I'm coming to the end. With that. We have just been living in God's presence. And then the very presence of God begins to convict people's hearts. And they start to go, what I'm doing here, it's wrong. And I don't want to live in that anymore. I want to walk into what God has for me. And then another person goes, what's happening here, this is not okay. And so I'm going to choose to release this, and I'm going to enter into what God has for me. I am no longer accepting a life where I will stay stuck in the sins of my past, in the brokenness of my past, in the hurts of my past. But if I will be a person of his presence, I will walk into it, and I will obey. I will walk into it, and I will remain. I will walk into it, and I will forfeit all of my rights. And I will say, God, would you do with me what you want to do? So get ready, because I don't want anybody here to remain in a desert. I want you to enter into, to advance into the promises of God and the blessings of God. Does anybody here want that too? And so would you choose to take off your sandals? Would you choose to be the type of person that when you encounter God, you say, God, not my will, but yours. Not my way, but yours. I will do what you are telling me to do. And you might think this is crazy, and especially if this is your first Sunday, you're like, what in the world is happening now? Um, we, we don't do stuff like this normally, trust me. But I have learned to just trust God and do what he tells us to do. So if you're in that place today, I've had my shoes off for a while. And if you feel in your heart, you know in your heart of hearts that God is telling you it's time. It's time. I want you to advance into what I have for you. But before you can advance into it, you're going to have to lay your life down. And if that's you today, would you just like I've done, would you take off your shoes? I'm serious. Would you take them off today? Go ahead. Go ahead if that's you. If you're still worried about what other people think, then you're not there yet. This is you and Jesus. I'm not forcing anybody to do it. Maybe you don't need to take off your shoes because you're already living that type of life. Well, then God bless you. Keep them on. But if you have sensed by the Lord today that you are in this place where you need to remove them, let today be a symbolic act of saying, Lord Jesus, this is how I will respond to your presence in my life. I will respond in obedience. I will respond in remaining. I will respond in giving up all of my rights and saying, God, you do what you want to do, and I am along for your ride. And now that you've taken them off, some of you, it's fine. Would everybody in the room stand up with me in this moment? Everybody, keep them off if you took them off. And I know there were even some people in other services that are like, but man, I got the types of shoes that are really like laced up, you know, like crazy. 
Sandals are easier to get off. You just kind of flick them off. So Jesus, today, oh Jesus, today we are saying that we want to be a people that respond to your presence in obedience, that respond in joy to remain with you, and to be a people, Lord Jesus, that give up all of our rights. And it's easy to do. Why, Lord God? Because you already redeemed us. We don't have to do it. You did it for us. And so we want to give up our full selves, all that we are to you. Lord God, our ways, our paths, our abilities, our strategies, our ideas don't work, but yours do. And so, Jesus, we submit ourselves to you today. And we say this together. Let's sing this together. I will make room. And I will make room for you to do whatever. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. I will make room. And I will make room for you. To do whatever. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. Sing it again, I will. And I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. I will make room. If you remove those shoes, would you grab them right now? If you remove those shoes, just grab those shoes right now. Raise them up in the air with me. It looks crazy. It sounds crazy. I know. But with these shoes of ours raised, Jesus, today we say to you, you can do whatever you want to. We have removed the shoes. We have said, God, our lives are yours. Our ways are yours. And so, Jesus, today we submit. And today we say, yes, Lord. And today we say we obey. And today, Lord God, we say, have your way with us. And today we say, I give up my rights. And today we say, Lord Jesus, in your presence, we want to remain. We want to live in it day after day, every moment of every day. Oh, Lord God, we don't want your presence to be something we visit every once in a while. We want your presence to be our entire lives. And so, Jesus, with these shoes raised, we say, have your way with us. And we declare that now, now is the point of advance. Now is the point of entering into what you have called us to. Now is the point of going forth into the call of God on our lives. Jesus, we thank you that you have prepared the way. You have set the path. And today, Lord Jesus, we are simply following you into it. We trust you today, Lord God. And we say, lead us in. Lead us in to what you have for us. Because we know that your plans are good. Your plans are perfect. Your plans are wonderful. In Jesus' name we say, and how many can shout an amen?